listening to First Church Charlotte. Great to have you all in the house of the Lord. Stand with me. We're reading from the book of Matthew. I am preaching from this subject of confession and spiritual authenticity. Confession and spiritual authenticity. And we are going to read Matthew 15, verse number 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. If you remember Sunday, who was from Sidon? Jezebel. Yeah, it's it, there you go. <laughs> and behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. I want you to notice this. Uh, this is important to the text. And a lot of times we don't understand this, this, this choice of greeting. And we just think Jesus is being rude. But we're going to talk about that here a little bit more. Jesus, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. I know exactly how she feels. Um, moving along. But Jesus answered her not a word. And his disciples came to him and urged him, saying, Send her away. She cries out after us. She's driving us nuts. Um, thought about preaching that tonight, but there would have been too much blessing for the men's ministry, so that's not going to be my title. Jesus answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped. Worship, not praised, not thanked. She worshiped. God is seeking worshipers. All right, stay with me. Saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It's not good to take what's intended for the children and give it to the little dogs. Now, that reads harsher in English uh, than it does in uh, the original, but it's even so, no compliment. So uh, she said, yes, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Hear me. Worship is understanding who God is. And once you understand who he is, you understand that your problems are not really a problem. So, confession and spiritual authenticity. You may be seated. God bless you all. Thanks to our, our, our praise worship team. They did a great job tonight leading us into worship, leading us into praise. That's the only right way to open the scripture together is after we have worshiped together and we've intentionally set aside the distractions of our week. Any one of you have had enough, enough you know, uh, trouble this week I almost said something else, but then I decided not to. Any one of you have had enough trouble in your week that if you want to think about that, you're going to miss what God is saying to you right now. Can I have an amen from the quiet section? Uh, any of you have enough <laughs> trouble in your week that if you focus on that right now, you're going to miss this moment uh, in the spirit. And so I want us to talk a little bit about this subject uh, I won't keep you too long. You, you can't talk about, about um, authenticity without considering just how easy it is for us to be inauthentic. Let me say that a little bit different uh, for you. It's really easy to pretend you're spiritual and not be spiritual. 
Mm, sorry. Uh, yeah, I opened like that. I mean, how are you ever going to get victory with the preacher talking like that? But let's, let's have real church for real people here. It's really easy. It's really easy to act spiritual and not even be spiritual, even a little bit. If you've been in church for a good while, you know how to do it. Uh, you can, you can, uh, my favorite example was, um, as uh, uh, one of our ushers, none of the ushers here tonight, they, they're no longer with us, but one of our, our ushers, um, uh, I, they, they, they were talking back there and I thought something was happening in the service. And, uh, and so I asked after church to find out, cause I thought just from their demeanor, they had that serious spiritual look on their face. Praise God. And they had everything lined in. And so I, I was a little bit alarmed, not a lot, but a little bit, because they had it under control. And I asked someone after, after church, and they said, and I love this. I never teased them about it. I should have big mistake on my part. They said, oh, they were just talking about who won this, this game. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that is so awesome. It, just to go by their face, you thought there was a demon in the prayer room. I mean, just to go by their face, you thought... Someone was breaking in cars outside, and they're like, did your team win? Praise God, brother, my team. Mm, I just feel the moving of his spirit. I, my God, we won. Victory is mine. I command me, Satan, in the name of the Lord. It's really easy, if you've been in church for a little while, to put the spiritual look on your face and not be spiritual. Spiritual is not something you can flip a switch on. Now, you can change your face in a moment, but spiritual is something that you've invested in, not just through, not just in a moment, but through the day. You have pursued the presence of God. I want to be that kind of person. Lord, as a church, help us to have a zeal and a passion for true worship, oh God. Help us as individuals to approach you with deep sincerity and not just turn on some devotional a moment in our hearts when we come together, but all through our day to celebrate your goodness and celebrate our salvation and celebrate the victory you have promised us. In Jesus' name, and can the church say amen. And so I, uh, I heard a story about uh, this whole authentic thing. It's a, a joke. A real sly fox was told by his mother, look, if you're not a smart fox, you're going to die in the jungle. You have, to, you have to get smart as quick as possible. And so um, he looked around one day and he saw a tiger in a bush, or not a lion in a bush about to leap out and attack him. And he said, he remembered what his mama said, you know, got to be smart if you're going to survive. He looked around him and he saw a carcass because, you know, where, where the lion hunts, there's carcasses. And in the jungle, there's car. He saw a carcass, and so he walked over real confident and said, man, that lion sure was tasty. Well, the lion wasn't as smart as the fox, and he heard the fox say, man, that lion sure was tasty, and there's just bones there now. And the lion said, whoa, I might better think about what I'm dealing with here before I attack this fox. And well, the monkey saw the whole thing. And the monkey said, man, I can just, I can make this work. I'll play both sides, both ends against the middle. He went down to the lion and told him what happened. And he said, look, that was a total setup. The fox was just being sly, and he pretended those were lion bones. Those weren't lion bones. He was afraid of you. And the lion said, oh, we're going to get that fox. Come with me. I want you to watch it. So the monkey jumped up on the lion's back, and they took off looking for the fox. Well, the little fox saw the lion with the monkey on his back coming toward him and he realized what his mama said you got to be smart or you're going to die so he stood up and cried out real loud where's that ignorant monkey I told him to bring me a lion an hour ago (laughs) we can act like we're up here 
and we can be living down here. Um, I, let, let me start with confession. I think it's healthy. Um, so as a young preacher, uh, part of revival for me was, was having prayer meetings. I, I quickly realized, and this was a lot of the inheritance I received through, through my own family, the way I'd been raised, my mom and my dad. I, I knew right away that if you wanted to have revival, you have to get people praying. You can't, you can't just kind of fake your way to revival. Somebody has to call upon the name of the Lord. Can I have a big amen? And so my wife and I, uh, the first thing we'd do in revival is we'd start prayer meetings. And um, I did not have the wisdom to do them in the evening, so I did them at 6 a.m. because I thought that would bring revival. It just split churches all over the South. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, we would have these prayer meetings, and um, I fell into this habit of praying for others. Now, this is just me telling my story. I, I, I wanted to be powerful, and so, um, you know, every young preacher wants to be powerful. Never in the history of the world has a preacher said, I'll just take, you know, uh, the, I'll just take the boring side. We all want to be powerful. And I got into performance prayer and I was very much aware of who was there and I was praying faith for them. And I was not all bad and there's a place for it, but it misses what it really means to be spiritually naked before your God. Amen. And if we, if this is what, this is what the spiritual discipline of confession is in our life where we have no pretense, where we have no uh, preacher voice, <laughs> where we aren't trying to, you know, convert the Lord and get him to come to the altar and repent of his sins, um, but we truly are spiritually vulnerable. Somebody say vulnerable. Try honesty. Try vulnerability. If you're afraid, don't stop praying. Go into the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, I want to confess my fear. And I want to say right now that this is not from you. I know it's not from you because you've given me your word. But I want to confess it because it's where I'm at. Would you wash me? Would you give me a, a spiritual counterattack? Would you give me a word? Would you give me a scripture? You see, this is being, this is being transparent before, before God. I'm a big believer in this. Uh, there's been a few times in my ministry where the only thing that saved me was the fact that I stopped performing and I started confessing. And if I was disturbed, I told the Lord I was disturbed. And I, I'm a big believer in this because I think at the beginning of spiritual authenticity is when God takes your hand. And starts to lead you. As long as you think you're somebody, God will walk on by. Stay with me. As long as you project yourself in some uh, kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a seer, you know, I'm kind of a big deal. No offense. As long as you have that kind of a tone, I'm telling you, you will miss the riches that are available to the person who is poor in spirit. This is confession in our life. Now, really quickly, I want to uh, talk about this, this lady of Sidon. Um, you, you guys all, I'm sure, mostly know the story. Uh, the Lord had traveled there, and this lady came up to him, and she greeted him like a Jew. This is a Jewish greeting. She did not, um, it would have been, and this is something that doesn't come out um, in some of our translations. This is easily missed in our translations of the, the Scripture, the actual manuscripts uh, that are converted into our language. Uh, this is easily missed. To greet the Lord as a Jew 
and to cry out to him, O Lord, son of David. This is a Jewish greeting. Um, A Gentile would never greet a Jew this way. This is a little bit of posturing. This is a little bit acting like you're in the club and you're not in the club. And here is just a really, really deep truth for everyone. If you'd like to write this down several times and put it on your refrigerator door. You can't fake God out. Now, I know that's deep. And I know some melancholy people writing that down and trying to convert it into a song. But I want you to know it's really this simple. There's no sense pretending with God because you cannot fake it with God. He actually knows you. He actually knows about the closet and the skeleton and the murder weapon. He knows. With God, you cannot fake it. You cannot trick him. All you can do is ask him for mercy. You won't trick your way into a miracle. Why is this so important? It is so tempting for certain personality uh, types to try to present God as this, uh, this kind of miraculous power that's available to us if we just could get it right. If we just could unlock the secrets of faith, then we could make God you know, do whatever we want. This is, this is not... This is really not how it works at all. Um, it, it, it isn't about God serving us. It's about us serving God. Can I have a big amen? And this woman, by coming this way, and again, this isn't as obvious in the translation as it is, I am told, in, in, the, in the more original languages, where she greets him as though she's a Jew, but she's not a Jew. Now, she knows she's not a Jew, and she's hoping maybe, and this is presupposition on my part, so just let me... In the manner of preachers everywhere, let me just kind of work this for a moment here. Um, maybe there is this temptation to think that if he thinks I'm a Jew, he will do for me what he wouldn't do if he knew I was a Canaanite. Because of my history, I'm unworthy of the miraculous. Does this sound familiar? Because there's some, you know, Canaanite history as enemies of Israel, he'll never do it for me. Because I'm not one of the aristocracy, because my last name isn't right, because I'm not one of the cool kids, he'll never do it for me. Let me see if inauthentic, being inauthentic, inauthenticity. That's like nine syllables. Someone should give the interpretation to that here tonight. Uh, some inauthenticity. That, 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 that will get God to give me what I couldn't get otherwise. I, I want you guys to see the power of simple authenticity. Simple authenticity. The Lord does not even answer her. Why? You can't fool God. You can't, you can't fool God. You cannot pull the wool over his eyes. He made the wool, and you don't have access to his eyes. Um, <laughs> you can't trick. You can't act powerful. Um, he actually knows the state of my heart. He knows the state of your heart. He knows just where we are in the, incl- hear me, 
the inclination of our spirit toward him. He knows just how much I am striving to entertain him in my life and be a true worshiper. Okay? It doesn't work. Jesus doesn't even answer her. But you have to give her points for persistence. Persistence is a big deal. All of us need to be a little bit more spiritually tenacious than we, than we, we, we tend to be. Persistence will get you to places nothing else will get you. And so she's persistent. Finally, the disciples are like, my God, she's driving us crazy. Will you, will you try, will you, you know, uh, deal with this situation? And there is something that happens here. Uh, he, uh, says uh, this to her. He tells her what she thought she already knew. Now, again, this is some presupposition on my part, but um, and I want to be clear about that. I never want to add to the scripture, but I, I want to be clear when I am trying to understand some of the unspoken uh, possibilities that exist within the story. So she came to him, a Gentile, and she greeted him as though she were a Jew. A Gentile would never greet him like that. They might call him a good teacher. They might call him a rabbi. Those are formal titles. They would not greet him in this manner. And so uh, he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He is, in a way, at least to approach it this way, is to see he is forcing her to confront the belief that caused her to act the way she acted. You see, with God, you don't get to trick. With God, you don't get to deceive. The path, the shortest path, is the path of surrender. The shortest path is the path of spiritual authenticity. I'm not trying to act like I'm something I'm not. I'm not trying to be big time. I'm not trying to act like I'm somebody. I'm not name dropping on God. I'm being authentic. So he forces her to acknowledge exactly what, okay, I am not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him. I don't know what she said, obviously, but there was something in the style of her worship service that did not just acknowledge what he had done, but celebrated who he was and is you see. Thanksgiving, even praise, can be an acknowledgement of God's victories. You praise a child who has done well. You thank someone who has blessed you or helped you in some way. But worship is not about what they have done. Worship is very much about the nature of of the one you are worshiping. And so there was something in her words, her, her style, uh, her, her offering. There was something that wasn't simply an acknowledgement of what he had done. The wrong approach was this. Well, I know what you've done for other people, so I was hoping I could get some too. That's not worship. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? The wrong approach is, well, I know you're supposedly a great worker of miracles and I have a great need. That's focus on the self. What I have, what I need from you. It's manipulative. Worship is when people 
are able to understand divine identity. We've been talking about this a lot recently. And divine order, who he is and who he is in relationship to you. This is the fertile soil of worship. And worship says, if you never do anything for me, you're still God and I owe you everything. (laughs) Worship says, when I behold your beauty, I cannot put it into language. When I behold your goodness, I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not even talking about my needs anymore. I am worshiping you because of who you are. It touches God. You see, this is, this is the moment uh, when the, the story of offense comes. And stay with me a moment more. Uh, I won't keep you too long tonight. Not, not past 1030 for sure. So um, <laughs> this is the great offense. This is the moment when Jesus seems like a, a good bit rude. Uh, and <laughs> after the worship service, he says, uh, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, this is the, this is the insult. This is the chop. This is the moment where you're tempted to say, well, if you want to be like that, I'll just take my toys and go somewhere else. Uh, this is the moment when you really want to, uh, you know, kind of judge, you know, uh, what did you just say? What did you just say? I can't believe you. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a racist. I'm Sidonese. And you won't do anything for me. The, 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 the invitation here sounds like an insult. But if you read, watch this. If you read it in the light of her need to acknowledge and be authentic. And our need to see that God is no respecter of person. It reads just a little bit different. She came with the subtle idea that if he doesn't think I'm a Jew, he won't give me a miracle. Jesus forces her out of her presupposition. She then, knowing she's not going to get it by faking it, (laughs) she worships God, and now God has a point to make. And that is this, faith moves God. Faith is not about being the right pedigree. Faith is about your ability to acknowledge who he is and to look in great faith to what he will do in your life. It is very much, if you read, if you see a woman coming trying to pretend she's somebody she's not, Jesus forces her to be honest and then teaches us all this understanding that it doesn't matter if you are from Sidon. It doesn't matter if you are from Tyre. It doesn't matter if your people have a history of hating God's people. It doesn't matter if your nation is famous for being the home of Jezebel. It does not matter. Your worship will move God. So I want to say to everybody here today, quit allowing status to limit your faith. You may or may not have status depending on the context. Stop letting that move uh, determine your faith. Stop letting uh, kind of impersonations over who deserves it or who doesn't deserve it. Newsflash. Nobody. Can I have a nobody? Nobody deserves it. But he's seeking worshipers. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I just said. Nobody, not the preacher, 
The only buddy who deserves it is the preacher's mama. Nobody else deserves it. I want you to see he is seeking worshipers. The greatest thing you can do in your life is understand just how powerful understanding a divine order and understanding divine identity is because now uh, he's not just the vague belief of God, but uh, he uh, is and he cares. And he's seeking worshipers. We can't manipulate God. I, I uh, I'll never forget growing up hearing a, a man preach, um, and he's a good man, a uh, missionary. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about him. Um, however, he, he, he took a, he, he, I probably misunderstood him, but he, he taught on a, a Wednesday night, and uh, he was saying, uh, and, and basically the message, as I remember it in my young, uh, I think I was 11, 11-year-old mind, was that if you say, if you say the power of the blood and the authority of the name, something happens that doesn't happen if you say anything else. And uh, he told multiple stories about how he would go, the power of the blood and the authority of the name, or some, some version like that. I spent the next 20 years saying that exact thing. And God still would not serve me. I was so upset. How dare God not obey the formula? Get out of the who deserves it game and get into he's so great. He's so great. I can't even tell you how good my God is. I can't even tell you. He represents the ultimate good that could ever be. That is what his nature is. He is beautiful. His heart is beautiful. I'm not very beautiful, but my God is beautiful. You've seen a mother's love. God's love surpasses a mother's love. Have you seen a father sacrifice for his children? God's love surpasses that. Do you see? I'm not tired of telling you just yet. God is seeking worship. How do we, how do we uh, grow in our faith? I, I want to I end with something really practical. I, I read my text. I haven't looked at any of my notes. Forgive me, I should open them up so I at least can pretend that I, I followed some of them. I, let me finish up with something real practical, and that is how do we, how do we build our faith? And I'm almost done. Uh, give me five more minutes. Uh, how do we practically build our faith? This is, this is quite important because the Scripture gives us this image of faith as a muscle that responds to exercise. You weren't expecting that, were you? That just was not dignified enough at all. Um, The verb exercise, even in the Greek, has the same image it does in the English. We would never say, I'm going to practice my faith. We would say, we're going to exercise my faith. I'm not the one who put the verb exercise beside faith. It's through the New Testament. Faith is something that responds to activity. I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to peel back your brain and pour in some good stuff here. So how is your gym life, spiritually speaking? Um, 
We must learn his nature. We must celebrate his love. We must celebrate his justice, his mercy, his plan. This is the beginning of building faith in our life. How do we do that? By immersing ourselves in the word. If there is a problem in your life that you're not quoting scripture to, you are not fighting as well as you should be fighting. Let me say that again. Uh, just in case Anthony was asleep, he works very hard and he gets a little bit sleepy. And so I, I want you to say, if you have a problem in your life that you are not quoting scripture to, then you're missing out on one of the most powerful weapons that you will ever have. Step one is to immerse ourselves in the word of God. Can I have a big amen? I want to immerse myself in the word of God. That's going to teach me his nature. It's going to show me his heart. It's going to be his present manifestation in my life. I don't have to worry about his word. It is forever settled. Yes. I don't have to worry about disagreement, all that stuff. It's, it's his word is forever settled that I, I don't need, I don't have to worry about opinions. His word is forever settled. It's the daily manifestation of his nature and it is the daily celebration of his promise. I should immerse myself in the word. If you have a problem, quote scripture to it. You can try it with your wife. I have, I haven't had a great response just so you know. Uh, <laughs> All right, real quick, musicians come and play something about wives being angry or something like that. So um, I, I, let, me, let me say, number one, immerse yourself in the, the word. Number two, how do you build faith? Um, you need to actively choose a relationship with God. In the beginning, it won't feel like uh, dialogue because you are covered with so much carnality and spiritual calluses that you have difficulty perceiving his presence. That's, it'll feel like prayer. It won't feel like fellowship. But if you will keep praying, you will feel the calluses in your life begin to soften. And you will have more of a sense of divine fellowship. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the church house? And when you have hurt in your life and pain in your life and the calluses come back and you armor yourself, you know how you get through that? Prayer. Prayer, prayer, the impartation, the woman with the unjust judge. How much more with a just judge? We, uh, we, we, we make this appeal unto God. And as we get through our calluses and as we work through our carnality, through prayer, what happens? Then we are able to perceive uh, his presence. But uh, commit to that relationship. Real quick, um, the, the, if we seek him, the Bible says, we will find him. And the final thing I would have you to do after you have immersed yourself in Scripture and after you have pursued His presence, you have, how do you do that? You make a place. Does that make sense? Do I need to talk about that a little bit? You make a place for you and Him to have communion. Okay, so the final thing is this idea of exercising your faith. Um, why does the Bible say, speak to the mountain? <laughs> well, um, evidently something powerful happens when we like the Lord, use the word to define a different reality than the one we're stuck in. With the words of our mouth, we bless and we curse. Do you see? And so I, how, how are you going to exercise your faith? Immerse yourself in his word. Pursue his presence. Finally, speak. 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 How, how am I doing this? Um, I I started something this week. I, I, I believe that I, I should try to live out um, whatever I'm trying to teach to you because uh, when I, it, it's authentic and I, I, it, it makes me like myself. And so this week I have been making myself. Well, I should explain. Um, past, 
past uh, few years, I've gotten really good through the help of a spiritual mentor in my life and never touching a damaging fear without speaking the word of God, quoting a scripture over that fear. Let's say I wake up in the middle of the night tonight and I'm afraid uh, for something in the church. I don't just feel it and think about it. I immediately say, Lord, I thank you because it's your church, especially when there's trouble. When things are doing good, I'll totally take credit. But when there's trouble, it's all on you. I ne- Hear me. I never touch a negative emotion without speaking to it. This is my survival plan for preachers. <laughs> never pick up fear without speaking to it. Never pick up uh, anger without speaking to it. And speak faith. Not to your brother and sister. They're already saved. To the mountain. So I've done good at that. Let me tell you what I haven't done good at. I haven't done good with speaking faith to need. Because if I'm not careful, I fall in the habit of trying to come up with my plan to solve the need. So like, for example, one of the biggest needs that our our church right now as far as facilities is our parking lot is terrible. And we've got alligatoring everywhere. But it's a lot of money, man. And and I, I'll sit around and think about it. Oh, what if I, I... Seriously, I've come up with all kinds of plans. I actually called Caterpillar about renting my own asphalt machine. I secretly think I can do anything. Um, uh, hiring a foreman who has done that and doing it myself. I priced that out. I, find, I found a guy who would do it. It'd be about half price if we did it all ourselves. Lots of risk. Lots of risk because we don't really know what we're doing. But half price. And then he got arrested for defrauding another character and went to jail. I thought that was probably a bad... Maybe that was a sign from the Lord. And, um, I, I secretly think I can do anything, but it's just a ton of money. I mean, to do what we need to do, which is to change the road and put parking around both buildings and make this one way through here so people can't tear through both ways and make our children dive into the bushes screaming, mercy, mercy. And to do everything we need to do. And we're talking like a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, this is, a, this is no joke. Now, I know Lisa has the money, but Lisa's greedy and she's not right a check for us, okay? Uh, so, so I am not near as good about speaking to need do you see? I've gotten pretty good just through survival of speaking to negative emotion, but not need. This week, I started speaking to need every time. And you know what I started doing? I said, man, since this is just gym time spiritually, (laughs) and since I'm trying to get better at speaking faith, I'm going to speak differently. And this is what I've been speaking. I've been saying, God, so the church... The church needs this, but I don't want this. What I want is 10 times this, but I want you to give it to the people in the church because I really believe their hearts will flow it through to anything the church needs. And they're your people and you love to bless them anyway. I have so much more faith asking for you guys. It's like my strength went from here to here. It's like I'm asking, oh God, I'll rent an asphalt machine, Lord. But when I'm asking for you, I'm like, my God, open up the windows of heaven. So this is, full disclosure, a perfect example of just starting with something at hand. Exercise your faith. Don't touch need without speaking God's supply. Don't touch fear without speaking divine protection. Don't speak discouragement without speaking the joy of your salvation. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. 
Oh, I feel your presence here right now in my heart, in my life, in my spirit. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your blessing, your goodness. I pray that you would give us strength to grow into great faith. And like this woman of Sidon, get past uh, the games, get past fakery, get past inauthentic uh, efforts. Just be honest. But having accepted our circumstance, help us believe in the power of worship and the power of faith in your goodness. And let us receive as according to your will of your bountiful riches. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, I receive it. Say it again. Say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. One more time, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.